three sessions of who is God, talking about the nature of God and who God is. Now, we have broken this down into 12 categories. The previous three weeks, we've looked at five verses for each category. To conserve time tonight, we're cutting it down to three scriptures for each category. We could have come up with more categories. There are some more categories that you could you could say about God if you were going to if you really wanted an exhaustive list of the nature of, of who God is, but we, we picked out some of the some of the high points that God is om, omnipotent, that he's all powerful, that he's omniscient, that he's all knowing, that he's omnipresent, that he's everywhere, he's unchanging, he is sovereign. Uh, we talked about that he is just, he is merciful. He is gracious. Those are some of the things that we've talked about God so far up to this point. And tonight we're going to look at the final three categories that we are going to discuss. So let's pray and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for a few minutes that we can talk about who you are. God, we need to be reminded about who you are. God, I pray that tonight as we look at these scriptures, that in these few minutes that you just would speak through us through your Holy Spirit, that you just would... God, any word that comes from my mouth, that you would help us to know you better, dear Lord. As we study your word, as we think about your word, as we reflect on your word, that God, every day of our life, that we would live for you. And God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, the first one that we're going to talk about tonight is God is love. This is a good one. This is an important one. This is one that we know this probably, but we need to be reminded of this. Last week, we talked about kind of some of the heavier stuff about God, that God is just. That's one that we don't, that we really don't like. We would rather kind of skim over the fact that God is just and God is a God of wrath. But, but that is part of who God is. But praise the, God, praise the Lord that He is also a God of love and a God of graciousness. And so tonight we're going to talk about that He is a God of love. We're also going to talk about that God is a good God. We sometimes need to be reminded of that as well. And also that God is eternal, and what does that mean for you and I? So, <clears throat> let us first start with God is love. God is love, and He loves you. Now, we may look at that, and we may say to ourselves, that is so obvious. But sometimes something so obvious we need to be reminded of, because sometimes... We do things, quite frankly, that are unlovable. There are people in your life that have done things to you that, 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 that they are unlovable, yet you love them, your children, your grandchildren, your, your parents, your, 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 your siblings, whoever it may be. There are people in your life, and they have done things that are so unlovable, yet you still love them. And you have done things that are so unlovable, and yet they still love you. And that is the best feeling in the world when you have done something that is so bad that is unlovable, and somebody still loves you. And sometimes that is what we need to get us through those times when we do those things that are unlovable and we realize just how evil we are. And sometimes in our deepest, darkest times, we need to be reminded that God loves us. And so we're going to look at three real simple passages tonight that will tell us that. This first one you may be familiar with. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life, John 3, 16. So, if God's Word says that He loves us, He does not just tell us He loves us. Love is an action word. Love is not just something you say. It's not just a feeling. I have said this 
many times, but it's good for us to know this. Sometimes, especially if you're young, when you start getting into the dating scene, you start finding little boys and little girls you like, and, and all, all of a sudden you're just, you're, you can't wait to see them and talk to them on the phone, and then you grow up, even as adults, if you begin to date, and oh, you get these feelings, and sometimes those feelings, we, we equate those with love, and they may or may not be love. Now, it's not that love does not come with some feeling. But love is much more than a feeling, as Boston would say in their song, more than a feeling. Now, love certainly comes with feelings, and there are good feelings that come with it. But ultimately, love comes down to action. Love comes down to a choice, because you can choose to love someone even if you don't feel very good about them. If they have hurt you and wronged you and done something against you, they may, they may be more of an enemy to you than a friend at that point in time, but you can still choose to love them. And that's exactly what God did for us. While we were still enemies, God chose to love us through Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So God showed his love for us in this way. There are no shortages of scriptures. Some good, a, a good chapter to look at, 1 John chapter 4. That's a good, a good, uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me, good chapter to look at. Not to be confused with the Gospel of John, but the letter of John toward the toward the end of your Bible. First John chapter four talks a lot about love and that very idea that God showed His love for us by giving us Jesus Christ, and not because we have deserved it. Now there may be people in your life today that do not deserve your love but you give it to them because you love them, because that's what love does. And that's who God is. God is a God of love, praise the Lord. And so this is a good quality of God that we need to remember. All right, the next passage. Psalm chapter 86, verse 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth. Now, this is a good passage for us to remember. Perhaps there are seasons in our life where we are overburdened by the world and we are been overcome by sin and we are guilty and we are ashamed and we are depressed and we are longing for the Lord and we wonder and we ask the question, does God still love me? Does God still care? Is God done with me? Perhaps some of you have been in that case. Perhaps you have not. But if you had... Verses like these are a comfort to you because we are reminded that God is a compassionate and gracious God. Yes, God is a just God and God disciplines those who what? Whom he loves, the scripture says. God disciplines those who he loves. And so when we face God's justice or we face God's discipline in some way, it is just, just gut-wrenching and it, is just, it just drains us. But man, once we come to the realization and remember that God is compassionate and gracious, oh, what a glorious day that is. And we realize that God is slow to anger. Now, some have a misconception of God. I believe some may view God as an angry God. They read through the Old Testament. And certainly there are occasions, and we discussed this in the previous weeks, in the Old Testament where God shows anger in some pretty miraculous ways, but, but that covers thousands of, of years. And we, we can pull out, sure, a handful of instances where God really brings his wrath, but 
you can also point to many more instances where God is gracious and he, and he gathers his people up and he has compassion on them again and again and again. And certainly God is angry from time to time, but he is slow to anger. God's first reaction is not, okay, I'm, I'm sitting up here, I'm ready to be angry at everybody. No, God desires first and foremost to love us. At times in our sin, perhaps God is angry with us, but he is slow to anger. But he desires to be compassionate and gracious. And what does it say? He is slow to anger, but he is rich in faithful love. He has an abundance of faithful love. He's not going to run out of love. Think about your children or your grandchildren. Is there any possibility at all that you could ever run out of love for them? If there is, do not answer that question out loud. I'm going to give you all the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to say there is a 0% chance that there, is, that there is any way that you would ever run out of love for your children or your grandchildren. And if we as sinful and weak human beings won't run out of love, how much more... Will God not run out of love? Who is rich in faithful love? Riches that we cannot even fathom. One more passage. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is Love. So if we understand that God is love, then what does that mean for us? We've looked at this in a lot of these categories. If we understand this is true for God, what bearing does this have on our life? Well, if we understand that God is love and that God has loved us, then we must love one another because God is love. Now, this is not an easy thing to do. This, this will certainly require much prayer for us. There are some people in our life that we can love, and it is so easy for us to love. And there are some people that you could, that you could go around and ask everybody in this county, and 99% of them would say, oh, I love him or I love her. There's always going to be one or two. But it's, there are some people that are easy for us to love. And there are other people that we may have to pray every day, God, you've got to help me to love them. And we have to make that choice and say, okay, God, I can hate them. I can treat them different. I can treat them in an unloving way. But God, you love me when I didn't deserve it. So help me to love others when they don't deserve it. And love is a beautiful thing. Love can restore things that are broken. That's what our world needs today. Our world needs to know what love is. People say, what's the, what's the answer for our world? The answer for our world is love. It's Jesus Christ. It's love in its purest form. It's people knowing the love of God, that Jesus came, that God gave His only begotten Son, that Jesus gave His life for us. That is what love is. When people understand that kind of love and they put their faith in a God who loves them in that way and they begin to love others in that way, that is when the world begins to change. And that happens when lives begin to change. And lives are changed when we recognize the love of God. So those are three passages. Uh, we, we could find plenty. You can, you can Google scriptures about love and you can read all night. And there are plenty of them in there. Lots of good ones. But we broke it down to three. So to conclude, God's actions have shown his love for us and his desire to be with us. That's what happens when you love somebody, right? You desire to be with them. You long for them. When you love somebody, you're away for a day. Okay, it's kind of tough. You're away for two days. Okay, you're away for a week. 
I'm ready to get back home. When you love people, you desire to be in proximity to them. You desire to be with them. You desire to be in their presence and they be in your presence. And you see it oftentimes, especially with older men or women, when all of their children or their grandchildren are around. Those are the best days of their life. They are, they are thrilled more than anything else in the world. Why? Because that is love. That's what love desires, that, that everybody being together. And that's why Thanksgiving and Christmas are so good because those are usually the only two occasions, even if then, that you can get all your kids and grandkids together. And so you cherish those one or two days a year, and that's because of love, because you love each other and you want to be with each other. And that's what God's desire is for us, to love us and to be with us. All right, next. God is good. All God does is morally right and to be approved of. Now, to make the statement God is good, we can all say, all right, that's easy to, to, to agree with. But then when you say all God does is morally right and to be approved of, some might not could agree with that statement because they might point to some Old Testament passages and say, well, wait a minute. God did this, or God commanded his people to do this. And I don't know if I can go along with a God who does that. I don't know if I can approve of that kind of God. But what we must realize is that all God does is good. And if we cannot approve of what God does, then we cannot, we cannot say that God is good. And if God is not good, he cannot be trusted. And so we have to say that everything that God has done is right and it is good. Now, it's not to say that we understand all that God has done, but we have to acknowledge that God is good to his core, or else he's, he's not worth trusting. Now, there are, there are many people, we talked a few weeks ago about the fact that God is sovereign. We see that with, with kings or leaders sometimes, and they make the rules and they do what they want to do. Sadly, many of the ones, well, all of the ones that we've ever seen in this world are to some extent bad, some very bad. And the things that they do, we can question, was this right or not? Was this something to be approved of? And we can say many times, absolutely not. But that is not so of God. God is not a bad king. He is not a bad God to us. What God does is right and it is good. And everything that God does, if he brings judgment on someone, as we often see in Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God is right to do so. God is not just smiting people for the, for the fun of it. God is bringing judgment on those who deserve judgment. God exercises mercy on occasion and is gracious on occasion. But when God decides to judge and God decides to bring justice, God is always good and God is always right when he does those things. And so even when we see things in the world that appear really bad to us, and they may very well be, we have to know that if God has allowed these things to occur, then there must be good that is going to come from these things. Not that everything that occurs is good, but that all things work to the, for the good of those uh, who serve and seek the Lord. That's what, that's what we need to remember, that God is good. Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the man who takes refuge in him. Okay, so we need, to, we need to be aware of this fact. God is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And if we come to the realization that God is good, then we find some peace there. 
if, if, if you're not sure about God, wait a minute, is God, is God angry? Is God, is God going to, is, is he going to lie? Nope, he's not going to lie. We, we've, we've talked about that. His word is solid. He's unchanging. He, he tells the truth. Everything he does is, is right. So he is good in every way. He can be trusted in every way. And once we see that God is good and that God loves us and that God only has our best interest in mind, once we come to that fact, how happy is the man who takes refuge in him? And so if we want to find happiness, that starts with us coming to the goodness of God, saying, okay, God, I recognize you are good and I trust in you, and whatever you do in my life, and whatever you allow in my life, God, I will not question you. And that's hard to do, because it's easy to sit on a pew sometimes and say that, but then there comes times in our lives where things get really tough, and we begin to say, God, what are you doing? God, why are you doing this? God, do you really care about me? Do you really care about this person I love? And these things are normal for us to, I mean, these, these things happen. These things happen even sometimes to the strongest Christians you'll ever meet. There are times that we go through things that are really hard, and it's in those times that we need to remember that God is good even if we don't understand it. When we realize that God is good and we trust in that fact, how happy we will be. Next passage. Psalm 107.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. So if we recognize that God is good, what do we need to do? We need to give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. And so that's what we come and we gather for and we sing praises to God and we come and we worship God and we gather together and we do ministry for God and we serve God and we serve others for God. Why? Because we have come to this realization that God is good. And because God is good and has been good to us and is being good to us and desires to be good to humanity, He is worthy of our praise because of His goodness, because of His Son, Jesus Christ. So give thanks to the Lord for He is good and His faithful love endures forever. There we get all the ones we're talking about tonight. God is good, God is love, and God is eternal. All right there in that one passage. All right, one more passage here. Psalm 25, 8 and 9. The Lord is good and upright, therefore he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. The Lord is good and upright. Okay, we get it. We see those types of things throughout the scripture. It's easy for us to know that. So what is the result of that in our life? If God is good and upright, therefore God does something for us, praise the Lord. God could just say, okay, I made you. Do what you want to do. Hopefully you'll find me in some way, shape, or form. Nope, that's not what God does. God created humanity, and God has been with humanity, and God has tried to lead and guide humanity and to bring us up to follow Him, to be obedient to Him, to trust in Him, to be provided for by Him, to be taken care of by Him. And because God is good, therefore He shows sinners the way. So praise the Lord. He is good enough to us that even though we are going here and there in the midst of our sin, God says, nope, listen here. Here's my word. Here, here are these words that all these, all these men that I spoke through in, in the Bible and these women that I used, hear these words and I'm going to use them because I want to guide you to do good. You see the ones that's done good? Follow their example. You see the ones that did bad? Don't follow their example. And God, through the Holy Spirit and through His Word, tries to lead and guide us in the right way. So, 
He shows sinners the way because he is good, praise the Lord. And he leads the humble in what is right and teaches them he way. His teaches them his way. Okay. Who does he lead there? He leads the humble. Why does it say he leads the humble? Well, it's hard to lead the proud because the proud don't think they need to be led. And so again and again in Scripture, we see the idea of humility. Coincidentally, you'll also see some passages about that in your newsletter in a few days. Time and time again, God's Word speaks to the humble. Why? Because it is the humble who will seek Him. Because the proud will not. Because the proud have no need for God. And so the question we have to ask today is, are we the humble or are we the proud? If we say God is good, okay, is God desiring to lead us? Absolutely. If God is trying to lead us, are we following Him? Well, if we are humble, we probably are. If we are proud, we are not. And so maybe today we need to humble ourselves so that we can be those that God uh, leads in what is right and teaches them His way. It is the humble who are going to experience that. God is good. He is good not just to lead us in our sin, but to bring us through that sin and make us into righteous men and women through Jesus Christ. So, God is good. Even when it doesn't seem like it, God is good and works all things together for good. And we have to remind ourselves of that. There are times in life that we are going to say, man, it sure does not seem like God is good for allowing this thing to happen or that thing to happen or allowing me to go through this or somebody else to go through that. And while things are tough, God never promises us life is going to be easy, but he does always say he will be with us. And we can know for a fact that God is good and whatever he allows is for the good of his kingdom. And so let us be faithful and obedient as Jesus Christ was. As Jesus prayed in the garden, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will. That was definitely a difficult time of suffering for Jesus that was occurring and was about to get really intense for Jesus. But yet Jesus was obedient to the Father because he knew that God was good and the will of God was good. So let us follow the example of Jesus there. All right, God is eternal. God has always been and will always be. That's something that's hard for us to wrap our mind around. We can't, we can't even begin to fathom eternity. We can't even think in such ways. But yet, we are told time and again that God is eternal. Job chapter 36, verse 26. Yes, God is exalted beyond our knowledge. The number of his years cannot be counted. One basic verse that tells us just that. It's beyond our knowledge. He's exalted beyond our knowledge. His existence from all of eternity is beyond our knowledge. We cannot comprehend who God is. <coughs> Psalm 90 verse 2. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. So if there's one thing we can count on in this world, it is God is eternal. He has always been and he will always be. Now, in this particular life, the saying goes, there's only two things you can count on, death and taxes. Well, that may be true in this life, but uh, when we look at the grand scheme of things, there's something much greater that we can count on. God did not have a beginning, and therefore God will not have an end. He will be eternal. And we are reminded about that, that God is forever and ever, or God is eternal. 
repeatedly throughout the Scripture. And finally, Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15, For the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says this, I live in a high and holy place, and with the oppressed and lowly of spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and revive the heart of the oppressed. So here is God who is forever. And where does God dwell? He dwells in a high and holy place. And who does God dwell with? He dwells with the oppressed, the lowliest spirit, to revive their spirit and to revive the heart of the oppressed. That's us. We are the oppressed, the lowliest spirit. We are those sinners who are wretched. We are those who need God. And praise the Lord, the God that lives eternally, the God who is forever, who lives in a high and holy place of all the people that God could desire to be with Him for all of eternity, He chose you and me. And that's pretty phenomenal. That an eternal God says, hey, for the rest of my eternity, I do not want to spend it alone. I want to spend it with some folks. Who could I possibly spend it with? And could you believe that He chose you and that He chose me? Now, I cannot for the life of me imagine why God would choose this wretched humanity, but God has done so because God is love and God is good and God is eternal. And He wants you to experience His eternal goodness and love always. And praise the Lord, we have such a good God. Now, in summing up here, we, can, or we serve an eternal God who desires to spend an eternity with us. So tonight we talked about the fact that God is love, God is good, and God is eternal. As I said, if you care to study more about these types of subjects, you can certainly find uh, plenty of books or you can find online some more, some more areas. You may find 16, 20 different uh, areas that people have broken down uh, to describe the nature of who God is. But I think the 12 that we have looked at uh, give us a good, a good idea when we think about the passage that kind of got us down this road in uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, uh, that Jesus represents the nature of God. And uh, we didn't really talk about what that meant in the context, in the sermon. We kind of breezed through that. And so I wanted to go back and say, okay, what does it mean when it says Jesus is the nature of God? When we saw Jesus in his ministry and see who Jesus is, we see all of these aspects represented as Jesus goes about his ministry. We see that Jesus represents all these areas of who God is. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word. And I pray that maybe some of these things that we've talked about in the last four weeks will stick with us. Maybe we will know you better, dear Lord, and understand you a little bit better just through a few of these scriptures we have looked at. I pray, God, that we would trust you in all that you do, that we would remember that you are good, that we would know that you love us, and God, we would love you, dear Lord, that we would know that you are eternal and look forward to an eternity with you. But dear Lord, even though we are wretched sinners, we thank you for loving us enough to send Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that we may be forgiven of our sins. And I pray, God, that if there's one in this room or one listening online that does not know that, that today, God, that they would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that they would discover your love in its fullness, dear Lord, that they would be able to discover you both now and for eternity and live in the goodness for all of the days of their life. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.